0: Medical information is not intended as individual medical consultation, but for general education only. Always consult your own health professional for personalized advice regarding medical decisions. And if you're in the Seattle area, consider making an appointment to consult with us. I'm Helen Nguyen, CEO and co-founder of 3W Medical for Women and the host of today's podcast. Hi there wellness Wednesday listeners thanks for tuning in we are here with my beautiful nurse practitioner Christy you've been she's been a guest here many many times but always always so fun to have her in the studio with me because I get to learn so much and I don't and whenever Christy I don't know if you know but whenever you come I don't do a lot of prep work so that you can educate me mm, about
1: things I love educating. <laughs>
0: I know you do. So, so today's topic is this ad that I've been getting a ton on Facebook and other social media platforms. You know, as a woman, you know when you watch something or hover over a certain ad, they kind of it, it, it kind of indicates to their system that you might be interested in the product. Mm-hmm. So, this product came up quite a few times. and I don't know why, but Nexplanon is a form of birth control that came up quite a bit on my Facebook page. And I went and looked at their website to see what it's all about. And then I asked Christy, Christy, can you tell me what is Nexplanon and how does it work? How does this new form of birth control work? Or is it even new, actually?
1: So, well, Nexplanon has been around for quite some time. I couldn't tell you the exact amount of years, actually. I didn't look at that. But it is an implanted birth control. It's considered a LARC, L-A-R-C. And what that stands for is long-acting reversible contraceptive. And there's a couple of different options for LARCs. Okay, And the active ingredient in the Nexplanon is primarily progestin. So it doesn't have estrogen in it. They have the Medicine is kind of time-release slowly from a plastic, flexible rod that's implanted into the arm, and it's about four centimeters, and I want to say it's a circular rod, about an eighth of an inch in diameter. So It looks like a toothpick, right? Yeah, you could say a toothpick. I'm trying to remember what I heard it compared to, a matchstick. Okay. But I felt like it was smaller than a matchstick. Yeah. That's a matchstick seems kind of big to big. me. Big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's smaller. So, anyways,
0: yeah. So, so it goes right inside of your inner
1: arm kind yep. of area. So it's the inner arm. Uh-huh. Yep. It's just below the, you find a groove underneath the bicep and that's okay. where it's injected. And what I will say is that sometimes, depending on, the person inserting it, and depending on the habitus of the patient, sometimes they can be inadvertently placed too deep or maybe too low. Oh! And actually, recently, I had a patient from another country. She had two implanted in her gluteus. Oh. And I was like, I did the same thing. I went, oh, wow. (laughs) Well, my guess is those are two nexplanons because they felt like nexplanons, but she couldn't remember... The name, a little bit of a language barrier, yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. I suspect they were two next plan on. and I asked why two and not yeah. one, and she said, so it would last longer, and I said, okay.
0: Does, so, is that how that works?
1: If well, you implant two, then it'll last longer, and then if you implant three, it'll last even longer? That's or? not how I understand <laughs> it, but okay. unfortunately, in that situation, I... I tried to do a little bit of preliminary research to learn on that, but I don't think
0: that's how that works. We
1: had the accurate name down or something, Mm. but Mm -hmm. I have to say that's the only time I've seen that.
0: Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've never heard about it before. And so, how does it work, this implant in your arm? It releases what? It's a
1: slow release of progestin. Okay. And this progestin, anytime you have birth control, whether it's estrogen or just progestin, mm-hmm. it's going to impact your body's normal hormonal balance mm-hmm. to kind of trick your body into thinking it's pregnant, mm-hmm. preventing it from getting pregnant, right, or making it more difficult for you to become pregnant. Okay, okay. And does it hurt to um, put in and take out? That's a good question. I did actually do some research and they it's pretty low. The people that say that it does hurt, I want to say it's less than 5%. Okay. They use a local anesthetic. You deliver okay. kind of a, a local anesthetic that is superficial and you do it over a plane of tissue, kind of the length of the next planon. Okay. And then it's a pretty large gauge, obviously, because you got to think of an eighth of an inch. Yeah. So. And then it just injects it underneath the skin. It's this fancy contraption that you load it up with the device and then it just deploys (laughs) into the arm. So, you know, you do have to be careful because like I said, you don't want it to get implanted too deep. It'll actually still work as a birth control. The problem is getting it out when Mm -hmm. it's too deep. So Mm -hmm. I've had a couple of patients that needed to have ultrasounds to to find it Mm -hmm. or it got kind of lost in the subcutaneous fat Mm -hmm. of somebody's arm when Mm -hmm. it was placed a little bit too low. Mm. Yeah. I think they're a lot easier to put in than they are to take out because our body knows when something's foreign and it makes this capsule around it. Yeah. And you have to kind of get into the capsule and you can get it out. It does require an incision to remove. So when you go back in at three years, when it's expired, You have to get local anesthetic again. For some people, that's not a big deal. For some people, a little injection's a big deal. They don't like it. Yeah. So, And that could deter somebody from choosing that one. But you have to numb it up, make a little incision, and then kind of work your way down to the capsule, and then you can pull it out. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. It makes me squirm because I'm the kind of person that Hates getting her blood drawn or like inserting things. Not my cup of tea. This is why I'm not in the medical field. <laughs> this is why I'm on the administri- administrative side of things. That's right. Yeah. So, how effective is it? You said it lasts for three years.
1: Yeah. I was on the Next Planon site and it's 99% effective. So, it's very wow. effective. Wow. Yeah. So, one in 100 women we'll have a pregnancy on next planon. Wow. So I would say it's really effective. But the other thing to keep in mind when I do contraceptive consultations, mm-hmm. when you rely on a human being to do something consistently every single time with an activity, so using birth control in advance mm-hmm. of intercourse, mm-hmm. they have to do it appropriately. And so if you require somebody to take a pill or to use a diaphragm or to use a condom. You have to do it before the act. Mm -hmm. So that's where you come in with different statistics of some being more effective than others. Mm -hmm. So surgical sterilization is probably going to be, well, it is more Mm -hmm. effective Mm -hmm. than an implant. Mm -hmm. Um, Although there's been lots of people that have had a vasectomy or Mm -hmm. their tubes tied or whatever you want to, refer to it as, and they've had a pregnancy. Mm -hmm. So, which Mm is, can be kind of a fun surprise for some people, but a little bit of a shocker. (laughs) And then with IUDs and Nexplanon, again, you're placing those implants in the patient so they don't have to remember to take a pill. It has a high efficacy. And that kind of gets into one of the questions why people would choose the Nexplanon over other forms. And it's really just convenience. They don't have to remember to take a pill. The efficacy is high. Mm-hmm. The side effects can be interesting. I think the most common side effect is menstrual irregularity. Hmm. And it's one in every 10 people. 10, wow. Is what I saw on the on site. So that's pretty high. Yeah, that is really yeah. high. And I have to say with the patients anecdotally, that's what I experienced. From my patients
0: so so when you say period kind of irregularity does that mean like sometimes you have one sometimes you miss it it doesn't come like when you're if you're tracking it it doesn't come when it's supposed to it's very either very heavy or very light Mm -hmm. is are those the kind of irregularities
1: spotting shorter cycle or shorter menstruation flow, Mm -hmm. like days Mm -hmm. or longer, Mm -hmm. heavier, more painful, always spotting. I was just talking with Dr. Rutherford, my colleague, and she was sharing a story with me about patients complaining about this very thing Mm -hmm. and talking about how when you think about the menstrual cycle and when you think about our normal hormones, estrogen, Helps us generate a plush endometrial lining mm-hmm. that is ideal for implantation of a fertile egg. Mm-hmm. If you take certain hormones and even combined oral contraceptives where there's some estrogen and progestin, it is going to keep that uterine lining thinner, Mm -hmm. less than ideal for implantation. It just makes it more difficult to get pregnant. Like I I talked earlier, it kind of tricks your body into thinking that... You're always pregnant. Yeah, you're always pregnant. Yeah. So when you think about progestin-only contraceptives, which are common in the LARC category, which is the long-acting reversible contraceptives, Mm -hmm. like IUDs and Nexplanon, Mm -hmm. It is progestin only, so it always keeps the uterine lining thin. Mm. So you never grow out the endometrial lining because you don't have as much estrogen because Mm -hmm, you have mm -hmm. supplemental progestin. So she was telling me about a situation where she had a patient that was constantly spotting, constantly spotting, and she was consulting with another one of our colleagues, and he was sharing with her, how this particular woman needed some estrogen added to the mix to help her resolve this issue of constantly bleeding. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around, but because the progestin is keeping the uterine lining thin, it's thin and you'd think she's not going to spot or menstruate, but it's kind of, for lack of better words, raw, Mm. and it just needs some estrogen to replace that lining so mm-hmm. that it grows at least a thin layer to keep mm-hmm. it kind of at baseline. Right. And then it was interesting because then in that conversation, I was sharing with her how in my training, when I learned how to insert an explanons, they will tell you to put your patient on combined oral contraceptives at the time of insertion, mm-hmm. which they didn't explain it to me like Dr. Rutherford did. They explained it as it'll just help with that irregular spotting that most women complain of because what happens is if you don't educate your patient and if the provider's not aware of how to resolve the issue, mm-hmm. the next plan on will be removed mm-hmm. prematurely because mm-hmm. most women I've had I've seen women that have tolerated almost constant spotting or irregular menstrual cycles for a year. And then they're just like, okay, I'm I'm ready to have this removed because yeah. it's not working. Yeah. So the idea of when I was trained to give them the combined oral contraceptive at the time of insertion seems like you're using two birth controls, right? That yeah. was my first thought of yeah. wow, you're really gonna it's kind just of, hit her hard with all these hormones
0: well Be- the whole point of putting in the next balloon on is like so that you don't have to take this daily pill and then now you're telling me i have to insert it and take the pill yeah <laughs> you know it's kind of contradicting it is the whole, contradicting the isn't whole it?
1: point so they say anywhere from a month to three months and what that does now having you know talked about this with Sue, is it yeah. probably replenishes that layer oh. so that she's just not always kind of oozing from the uterus, oh boy. so okay. yeah.
0: and con and and I'm assuming constant spotting, yeah, it's is a spotting pro- it's probably not the best <laughs>
1: because no.
0: like, because thank God I have very regular periods, I should be very thankful about it. It's a sign of health, right? It's a sign mm-hmm. of good fertility and ovulation even though i'm infertile I, it's still something that i should look forward to but it's like it's not fun mm-hmm. you know having mm-hmm. your period right and and the whole process of like having to carry pads and tampons and mm-hmm. all of that stuff mm-hmm. it's like such a hassle sometimes but having to spot or or have a regular periods up to
1: an a year that's that's pretty intense i feel like yeah i i agree and you bring up a good point because you say You said something to the effect of always kind of spotting and or when it's most days out of the month, when you think about iron deficiency anemia, Mm -hmm. it's more common in women of childbearing age because Mm -hmm. of their menstrual cycles. Mm -hmm. Now, not everybody has iron deficiency anemia, but that's Mm -hmm. a population that you're going to see it in. So I've never done a, th- a study to mm-hmm. actually look at this, but it just kind of came to mind of, yeah, if you're just bleeding all the time, then you're slowly bleeding. Yeah. And, you know, I guess it could be a risk for anemia. Okay. Mm-hmm. So how is it different from the IUD? So the IUD, the difference is really location. Okay. The dosage is different, but the IUD is similar in that there is a main rod, Mm -hmm. I liken it to an umbrella because when you have it placed, it's closed. It's like a rod. When Mm -hmm. you're inserting it into the uterus, you deploy it and the Mm -hmm. arms open up. So it's two arms. Yeah. And the medicine is going to be in that center rod and the two arms keep the IUD in Yeah, the uterus preventing it from coming out of the cervix. So when you take an IUD out, it's like turning the umbrella wrong side out. Yeah. And the arms fold up and it comes out. And so the medicine is delivered slowly, again, slow release. And over the course of you can have some that are three years, five years, seven years. And I think well, sometimes people will leave an IUD in beyond the expiration date, but they have an FDA approval time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. How about the next one on? Is once it's expired, is there like a hard deadline? <laughs> like if you have like sex a week after expired, oops, you're going to get pregnant, you know, is that... Is that how that works? Or? That's a
1: good question. I I would say if you're not wanting to get pregnant, probably shouldn't take the risk. But I was just reading that they have done some studies and have seen that it can be effective up to five years. Mm. But it's strongly, strongly recommended in every area on Nexplanon site on multiple mm-hmm. other sites. It should be removed at three years. Three years. years. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. And why, I guess. It, it, like, does the does the tube itself like starts rotting or
1: something?
0: No, I think or... it's
1: pretty benign and then okay. the body encapsulates it. Okay. So it you're it's keeping that away from you. It's safe. Okay. okay. But this slow release of of the progestin mm-hmm. is just gonna slowly decrease. And what's interesting is when you talk to a patient Like I can think of many primarily with IUDs that will say, oh, hey, I have noticed the first two years of my IUD, I didn't have any periods and now I'm starting to spot. Mm -hmm. And so that just kind of, you can draw a conclusion that they're likely, the hormones are starting to go down in Mm -hmm. the IUD. It's still effective or working effectively for them. Okay, But yeah, they just start to... Deplete. So how it works a couple more years, I huh. I don't know.
0: Okay. And how does the slow release process work? How does it know to release it?
1: That's a good question. It's just the way that the, the body of that rod is built to just re- release it slowly. Because I think huh. about the same thing with the IUD. I don't really know that much about the mechanism of how it's released. Yeah. Because... I have often thought to myself, how does it know not to release too much? Like too much. Yeah, Yeah. that's what I was thinking. But if you look at some of the inserts, if I am not mistaken, now it's been a while since I've looked at these, but with the IUDs, I think the daily release amount is higher at the beginning and then it's lower. And Mm -hmm. I think just over time, it must change. So... So, I don't know. You would hope it would just be pretty constant, right?
0: Yeah. It's so, it's just interesting. The science of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like, how does it know how much to release? Are there different dosages that you can yeah, get in yeah. the next plan
1: on? Yeah. Well, no, in the next on, not that I'm aware of. No. Okay. Okay. But with the IUD, yes, because okay. it has to last a certain period of, of time. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's a really, that's a really good question. I'm just thinking
0: yeah. like a tiny little computer just going. You know, yeah. like
1: release. Release today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. It's fascinating. So what should one consider or be cautious of when considering Nexplanon? Like what, what type of information would you encourage patients to
1: understand or fully be aware of before they
0: consider Nexplanon?
1: So some of the things that I go over when I have a contraceptive um, counseling session with people is... There's something as providers, we should be looking at medical eligibility criteria, and medical eligibility criteria is a really busy chart. I use it as a teaching tool with my patients. This is why a patient's history is so important. Mm -hmm. And this is why you follow up with patients once they start a contraceptive to see how their body's responding to it. Mm -hmm. Because you want to make sure they're not in a category where they're not a good candidate for this. Mm -hmm. The progestin only, I will say, is probably safer when you're looking at people's health history. When you use estrogen it's pro thrombotic. So it can put people into a different risk category for like blood clots, Mm. particularly if they have certain things in their history, like migraines with aura, hypertension, tobacco users Mm. over the age of 35. So there's lots of little things you have to pay attention to. And I mean, it's just one of those things in a traditional clinic where you're really busy. Oftentimes Patients will slip through the cracks. They won't Mm -hmm. come back for their 30 day check. Mm -hmm. And you really, when you put somebody on a combined oral contraceptive, you need to be checking their blood pressure in a month and making sure it's not causing them to have an elevated blood pressure. Mm. I've had tons of people that have been 35, 40. They're still taking their high dose estrogen Mm. combined oral contraceptive and they're obese with hypertension. And that's not a desirable situation. So it's something that women, you know, and and oftentimes to no fault of their own, because it requires education, Mm -hmm. you know, like teaching them, there's a limit of time at some point, you know, this will last, or this might be a good choice for you up to this age, but it's your responsibility to check your blood pressure, to maintain a healthy body weight. If you smoke tobacco it significantly changes the whole game and once you're over 35 that changes the game too Mm -hmm. so lots of little things to consider so when you think about oral contraceptives with estrogen and the estrogen is the reason of concern here in this Mm -hmm. conversation Mm -hmm. progestin only Mm -hmm. is a good alternative for women who can't take estrogen containing products so somebody with migraines with aura or hypertension would be better suited with a progestin IUD, Mm -hmm. a progestin-only pill, or the Nexplanon implant. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Who would be a good candidate for Nexplanon? So a good candidate for Nexplanon would be a woman who did not want to have a pregnancy, maybe young, Mm -hmm. healthy, and couldn't remember to take her oral contraceptives regularly. Mm. That would be somebody... That Heart. you might consider.
0: How are you supposed to remember it in three years? <laughs> I,
1: I mean, know, I know. That's, that's a good. I mean, that's for it'd me. Be somebody that goes to the doctor regularly, I guess. Huh. So, so you would you would recommend
0: someone to go to their primary care and mm-hmm. go to one person on a regular basis, and so they kind of have good continuity. N- yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Kind of, kind of wrap around care in a sense. Am I using that term right? Yeah. wrap around care. Yeah. In a sense of like they're
1: following you from the moment you got it implanted to the to the 3 year mark. Right. You would think that, you know, providers are getting to know their patients and when they come in for mm-hmm. their annual wellness visit that they would say something about, you know, addressing every aspect of that person's care and saying, mm-hmm. "So, hey, you're still using your Nexplanon mm-hmm. because there, there could be, you know, maybe they were out of town and something happened and they mm-hmm. had it removed. Mm-hmm. So following up with that patient and just saying you still have it, you should palpate it on exam every time you see your patient. Make sure that you're still seeing that it's there if they're coming in for an annual exam or something focused on mm-hmm. contraceptives. But to my knowledge, I don't recall ever... Knowing of a facility that would send like a reminder recall that it's time to have it out. Yeah. So it's really up to the woman to yeah. come back. So that doesn't always happen when you have somebody in their young 20s. Does exactly. It? Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's a really good point. Yeah, that it's it's always kind of boggles my mind about
0: like, okay, you have this expiration date and it's far out, which is nice because then you don't have to think about it. But then you will forget in your busy life with so much going on mm-hmm. to say, hey, how long has that you know thing been in my arm and is it time to take it out yet? Does it ever cause any like skin irritation or rash or
1: can someone be allergic to it? Yeah, they can actually. Um, it was interesting because on some of the research that I did, they actually have it grouped into mild, serious, allergic. And then the next one on site, I actually, I really liked that site because it kind of went into this chart where it was talking about menstrual irregularities Mm. and the statistic on the menstrual irregularities were women that were removing it prior to the three year. It, It was almost always related to the Mm-hmm. menstrual irregularity okay. but some of some of the symptoms can be well one of the ones that can bother women a lot is weight gain 5 to 15 pounds and it begins relatively quickly after the initial huh. um insertion in fact i had a woman today where she was having hers removed and she did share that she had gained a significant amount of weight initially right after insertion. So it's interesting. It is, it can cause acne because you're fluctuating your hormones. These are straight from, from one of the side, back pain, belly pain, breast pain, dizziness, headache, vaginitis, sore throat, you can have an implant site reaction. There can be bruising just from the implantation and likely even, you know, it depends again on the provider inserting it, depending on their skill with putting lidocaine in, Mm -hmm. you can have bruising anytime a needle touches you, right? Right. right, But some people might respond to the cleaning agent that they use before they insert it and again change in menstrual pattern, irregular bleeding, spotting, weight gain, blood clots, diabetes, high cholesterol, depression. Diabetes. I know it it can one of the serious side effects yeah is change in metabolism causing high cholesterol, diabetes blood clots, depression, ectopic pregnancy, high blood pressure, ovarian cysts yeah. and allergic reactions would be more of a skin rash, itching, flushing or discoloration of the arm. I would expect an allergic reaction would be more acute and present soon mm-hmm. after it. And then you're going to have similar things when you have it removed you're going to you could potentially have the bruising, mm-hmm. the skin irritation, That's a long list of intense side effects. It is. (laughs) It is. Because if you think about it, anytime you alter hormones, some of those mild ones, Mm -hmm. you can have a lot of those just with any oral contraceptive or other contraception Mm -hmm. options that you might consider because we come with our own set of hormones Mm -hmm. and then we're throwing more into the mix or we're kind of altering them mm-hmm. and there's side effects that come with it. Yeah. And, and I think it just depends on the woman, but I will hear, you know, every now and then I'll have a patient that just loves their birth control. No known side effects, mm-hmm. but more often than not I'll have somebody with at least one or two small complaints with it, whether mm-hmm. it's the breast tenderness, a headache, and that goes with, when they initially start it, or if they forget it, or when they're stopping it. Because again, when Mm -hmm. you stop it, you're withdrawing the body from something it's been accustomed to, right? Yeah. So it changes the game again. So fascinating.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, if if folks have more questions about Nexplanon, you know, compared to other types of birth control or why they think they are a great candidate, maybe first come and have a consultation with Christy and see if you're a good candidate for this form of birth control or if there might be something else or... Or, you know, the issue that you're trying to address might be something that doesn't need birth control. It's so it's so important that you're well informed. And that's why we love doing these types of podcasts, because then you can listen to it and you could, you know, come up with your own questions that we might not be covering and come in and get a a, some free Free consultation with our medical providers. Could you because you should know what you're inserting into your bodies Mm -hmm. and what what pros and cons there are and and weigh them. Of course, we're not going to tell you what to do, but I think you should have full consent and fully informed. Medical. I, I feel like it's like a legit medical procedure because you have yeah, to like, insert it's a little it. procedure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It
1: is. And one of the things, just going off as we wrap up, Helen, I just yeah. want to make sure that I tell our listeners when you do choose an implantable birth control, while it is effective for providing birth control because mm-hmm. you don't have to remember it every day and it works well for some people, it is not it has nothing to do with preventing STIs. So I Mm. always want to make sure people know that there's no protection offered with this form of birth control. Mm -hmm. If you're having intercourse, you have to use a barrier to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's that's probably one of those things I would consider important to educate, especially in the younger female population, because Mm -hmm. oftentimes when somebody does have an implanted device, Mm -hmm. it's not as important that they have a barrier but when it at the end of the day it's important yeah if they want to have something to protect them
0: thank you so much for that reminder i did not i did not connect those dots yeah because i would think oh gosh it's covering everything yeah (laughs) but it's not (laughs) yeah so so please take advantage of christy and her ability to educate so thoughtfully and you know making sure that someone like me who don't know anything about this, is able to understand it so well. And so please take advantage of our services here and come in
1: and educate yourself about this. Is there
0: anything else you want to leave our listeners, Christy, about no next plan
1: on Not really. Just educate yourself. Look at multiple sites. Yeah. Consider your past medical history and fully weigh the risks and the benefits. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Well thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, until our next topic, thank you so much. You're welcome. Bye bye. Bye. For more information about 3W, please visit our website at 3wmedical.org. That's the number three, the letter W, medical.org. From there, you can learn more information about the services we provide, book an appointment or make a donation if you'd like to support our mission. You can also call our office at 206-588-0311. That's 206-588-0311. If you like this episode, please share it with others and consider subscribing on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, stay healthy and be well.